Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your host. This episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Zenium is supporting small and medium-sized companies for their training and development, compensation strategies, payroll processing, and HR consulting. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. This episode today is a fun one. I have a conversation with Cindy Baker. She's the author of Rockin' Life From Home, Successful Strategies to Balance Family Life and Working From Home. So for you working parents, or even for those that have never worked from home and all of a sudden now you're working at home, this episode is for you. So we talk about the dynamics now of working from home and how it's different than being in a place of work. And we just really, in this episode, talk about all the tips and tricks for making working at home a little bit better. How do you separate the two, work and life, to stay present, be happy? Enjoy the episode with Cindy Baker, and I'll talk to you next week. Cindy, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about working from home. So what's your story? Do you Have you been working from home for a long time? Like, How did you become an expert in, in this area and, and share a lot of tips around that? Well, I've been working from home. I was doing a combo, actually, working from home over the past 10 or so years and going into an office. But over the last couple of years, I transitioned into working from home full time. So I've been doing this for a couple of years now. So I was already kind of ahead of the curve when everything happened this year, interestingly yeah. enough. <laughs> and there were so many people. My sister, her company, everyone had to start working from home. And everyone was bending her ear and her in her team saying, okay, I'm working from home. I've got my kids right here. I can't get my work done. I'm not used to this. And they were stressing out. And she told me about it one day. And I thought, well, you know, I've been helping people for such a long time manage their stress. And that really provided the idea of writing this book, Rockin' Life From Home. Mm-hmm. In what ways are the, the dynamics of working from home different than being able to go to a place of work? Like you mentioned, I'm working, I got my kids next to me. Like what what's in your mind, what's what's the biggest difference between like going somewhere to actually work versus like you're working at home and it sort of like blends in with everything? Yeah, I think the boundary issues are different. You know, when you leave your home every day, you go to an office, it creates that physical boundary. But when you're at home, you're really blending, like you said, everything. You're multitasking, moving from family to mealtimes to work to conference calls and back and forth. And it's it's a challenge for people to be able to manage all of that, especially when you've got some, some people who have very, very young kids at home right now that they are not used to taking care of full-time and working full-time. It presents a new challenge in that way. In your book, you'd mentioned that journaling could be really therapeutic and, and just really good for working at home and just maybe jotting down some thoughts. So like, what are your, what are your thoughts about journaling and, and maybe some methodology around like how to make it really effective for somebody? Mm-hmm. It's an excellent question. I think, you know, journaling is one of those things I've been doing for, goodness, probably 15, 20 years now. And I don't journal every single day, but when 
I feel like I really need to process some things that are going on in my life, I turn to my journals. I have several of them all throughout the years, cataloged and so forth. Do you handwrite? I do handwrite. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I don't write like in full sentences. I could, I, sometimes I do. Oh. Sometimes I just get creative and put words on a paper. Um, I might doodle. So there's various ways that you can journal. A lot of times people f- feel pressure because they don't know where to start. But when you're using it in this capacity, it's like, okay, I'm feeling frustrated. And we have over 60,000 thoughts going through our head a day. And that's a lot of thoughts to manage. <laughs> um, so when we're able to really just kind of think through the process and expressing it through a written word or through artistically through doodling and so forth, it allows us to fully process the emotions and the thoughts behind it so that we can release it. And it also gives us some clarity moving forward. We're kind of, sometimes we're surprised by what comes out when we're writing something yeah. down. I have the hardest time with journaling. Like I don't, I can't find a structure or a cadence to it. I, I find myself wanting to write during key moments of whatever's happening. Like if I'm having a hard time, but I also want to remember the good times and, and the good things that are happening. So, is there any sort of structure that you you feel like throughout your day? If you're maybe I'm sitting here working, but like I'm going to find I'm going to carve out time to journal. And is there a, a good structure to it, like free flowing or in bullet points? Or like what what works for you? I think free flowing is great. Whatever's coming into the mind, I think we a lot of times we judge our thoughts and then we react from them versus saying, you know, I'm just going to allow whatever comes into my mind to come into my mind and I'm going to also allow it to flow out of my mind. And that's what stumps people because usually if you have a thought, you tend to hang on to it and then you react from it versus if I'm going to just observe these thoughts coming and going. So when you journal things like that, it allows you to say, hey, I'm feeling stressed. What can I do to help myself? And so feeling grateful can also help negate stress very, very quickly. And so I find that for me, I use, I'm pretty eclectic in my approach to journal, <laughs> journaling actually, and I do it based on whatever I'm needing. If I, I have a gratitude journal that I, I use consistently too. I have um, kind of like affirmations that I use based on whatever goals I'm wanting to achieve in both my personal and my professional life. So there's, there's so many different ways. And I think it's important that people find their own groove to it, find what works for them. Do you have a journal that's like predefined in the way it's laid out? Or do you just use like a blank like composition notebook or something and just write? Oh yeah, mine's blank. Yes. Yes, that way I can bring my own creative element to it without someone dictating what I should be writing down. I love that. <laughs> so it's interesting because I also, like you can see this, but listeners can't see this. I have one of those blank composition notebooks. And in the last couple of days, I go through these modes of, I want to write down what I'm grateful for and journal and stuff. So the last couple of days, how I structured mine was three things I'm grateful for three things I'm looking forward to this week or today, um, my to-do list, and then I'll write down like free-flowing notes if I have anything that comes to mind. So am I thinking about it the right way? I mean, would you structure it differently or give me different advice on that? Or am I just, am I, is it too much like all on one piece of paper? I think you have to find what works for you. I think as far as the approach, though, if you do this over the course of uh, you know a week or two and you find that it's not overwhelming and that's the key, It's something that you look forward to versus something you feel like you have to do. And that's one thing with journaling. People tend to have like a 
predisposed approach, like this is the right way or this is the wrong way. And it really is very tailored to each individual. Some people may love to write volumes every day. Some people will hate it. So you've got to find what works for you. But journaling will allow you to really express what's on your mind, get clarity, and also keep in front of you your goals and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So you can use it in different ways. And that's a great point because what I was going to ask a follow-up question to that about like, I'll give you step back and look at what is journaling going to do for you in regards to working at home? And I think that it keeps your eye on the ball, right? It keeps you in front of your goals at all time. And I think that's the hardest thing for anybody when they have goals, they just like stuff it away in a drawer and they forget about it. But when you're journaling and thinking about that goal as the kind of the end end game, whether it's a week, or a month or a year or two or three years, it's always in front of you. So is that how you think about journaling and what it can do for you at work? Exactly. If you have that journal right by your computer and every morning you get up and you just flip to your agenda, your goals or things that are most important to you in your life, it could be even uh, reviewing your, your gratitude list. That's going to set your day upright. <laughs> yeah. On, on the gratitude note, because I love this, I love gratitude. I'm, I'm a grateful person. And it's always nice to kind of like flip back through and see what was what you're grateful for in the moment. But what kind of stuff is on your gratitude list? If you don't mind me asking a very personal question, but I just I'm curious what how you think about it. Yeah, I think one thing I'm always grateful for is no matter what's going on, I'm grateful for life. And I'm grateful for the people that are that are dearest to my heart. And I'm grateful really for every single day. You know, I when I'm talking and I'm coaching and I'm counseling my clients and I say, you know, over a period of time, if you get up every morning and you expect to have a good day or you expect whatever happens that day, you're going to be able to manage it. Okay. Um, but a lot of people don't. They get up and go, okay, here's another day. And that puts you in a very reactive, negative tone for your day versus gratitude. You know, you're having something, if you glance on your gratitude, you say, you know, I'm grateful for just being able to breathe at this moment. I'm grateful for all the tiny, tiny things. I'm grateful for being able to move. I'm grateful for being able to work. I'm grateful for being able to have food in my pantry. Those kinds of things, it builds. And if you do that over time, you create these wonderful mental habits that are going to propel you into living a more fruitful life. Yeah, that is why I love gratitude so much is because what you just described with like getting up and just going on with your day and and going through the motions, it's so easy to do that, especially when you're working at home, that it's easy to never look at the beautiful things around you or the good things that are happening to you and just be stuck in this rut of work and making dinner or doing stuff with the kids, uh, with their school at home and so I love that, especially when you reflect on it. How often do you go back and look at things that you're grateful for? I would say several times a year, I go through my old journals and I reread oh. them and it brings it to the forefront because some things that you forget. So that's right. one thing nice about journaling is when you write it down, there it is in concrete. You are talking to yourself and there really isn't anything more powerful than that. Yeah. You're a proponent of lists, I think. Uh, you mentioned it in your book. Curious, how long should a, a priorities list be? And how do you structure lists? I actually structure mine. Some I, I'm always asking myself, what can I manage in a day? What is reasonable and realistic? 
because I want to feel successful at the end of each day. I don't want to feel overwhelmed. I want to feel like I really accomplished things. And, and we are people. We like to accomplish stuff. We really do thrive on being able to <laughs> attain things and move forward and see that success. So keeping your list manageable, which really means a small list. And most Americans like to have long lists. You've got to shorten them. Yeah. So I would say, you know, depending upon how long each task will take, you probably want five to seven if they're lengthy or if they're very, very short, you know, eight to 10 lists. And then you can always add on. If you get done early, celebrate and you can take on some more stuff if your energy permits that. Yeah. I love that. What I tend to do is because I don't want to forget things, I will write a huge long list of like, okay, here's what needs to be on my radar. But when I'm just focused on that for the day, I oftentimes don't know where to start. And so on the good days, I'll do the big list, but then I'll make a second column and I'll say, okay, these are the actually the four or five from that big list that I'm doing today. Yes. And if I could do any more from that list, great. But otherwise, I just try to focus. Well, that's a good approach. Is that a good approach? Yeah. Okay, good. That's good. a good approach because that way you you know you have your long list. You know these are things that you have to accomplish, but you're pulling out of that the main things for that day. Yeah. So the key is not to stare at the long list every day, but focus on that smaller task list that you create. Yeah. Since we're on the subject of time management, I'm curious what maybe two to three tips that you have that you, you mentioned several in your book about time management because I feel like. When you're working at home, it's so easy to just, oh man, the dishes need to be done or fold some laundry or, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, hang out with the kids for a second or just whatever it may be that, you know, comes up at home. So, how do we get people, listeners of this podcast are leaders, but there's also some individual contributor level people. So, they may need to help their people with time management, but I'm sure everybody can learn something. So, what tips do you have to share about just ways that we can manage our time more effectively? Well, the first thing I would say is chunk down your time, which means if you're going to work a standard eight-hour day, you want to create chunks of time and then manage the time within those chunks of time instead of looking at the whole day. You know, you alluded to making a list. We'll take that short list and say, okay, what's the most important now? What do I need to do? But more than that, too, is also what does your day look like and what's going to be, what time frame is most likely available to complete that task? When are you more likely? And also to consider your energy level. Mm. You know, if you're a morning person, tackle your hard stuff. That would be my second tip. Ta- tackle your hard stuff first and get that out of the way. Oh, that's me. I can do stuff. I'm strong in the morning and then the afternoon I start to fade. So I do a little lighter stuff late in the mid-afternoon. <laughs> so I organize the time also based on energy level when I perform my best. Where are you at? You're in the East Coast, right? So yes. Like Georgia. Yes. So you're three hours ahead of me. So you're at like 1... 17 p.m. What part of the energy level are you at right now? <laughs> did you just have lunch and you're about to go on a... I sure into, did. <laughs> uh, you going to go take a nap right now? Or? I'm on my mid-range right now, but like three or four is my worst time. That's when I want to nap. <laughs> yeah. You seem sharp though. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> so you, you talk a lot about mindfulness, uh, both in your book and on your blog. You've got so many tips around mindfulness. How do we stay present and replace the negative thoughts and decrease our stress? I mean, that's really what I believe mindfulness is meant to do is to make us less anxious, less stressed. What are some tips for people working at home? How do they be more mindful? 
Well, interestingly enough, you know, our mind will jump from the past to the future to the present. And most of us stay more in the future or the past versus the present. And the only power we have is in the present moment. So one thing about mindfulness, which is so helpful, and there's so much uh, studies and research-based evidence that this does help reduce stress, is we are most empowered in this moment. And if we can practice mindfulness, which is basically training our brain, if you will, to stay more present. And when we do that, when we're really present, we're in a state of observing. And when we're observing, we notice what thoughts we're having. And when we quiet our mind enough to notice what thoughts we're having, then we can quickly delineate, is this a thought that's helping me? Or is this a thought that's hurting me? If it's hurting me, I can let that go. I'll allow it to come and go out of my mind. And I will choose on purpose another thought that's going to be helpful to me instead. And that can help uh, rule out a lot of like the worry about the future or Uh dwelling on the past, just that practice of daily mindfulness. And there's lots of different techniques you can do um, to practice mindfulness. And you don't have to sit there and carve out 20 minutes out of your day to meditate. You know, research shows one to two minutes can actually help change the brain chemistry in our mind which is really, really helpful. So you can practice mindfulness when you're doing simple things like making a cup of tea or brushing your teeth or you're in the shower. Instead of running through your to-do list in the shower, you actually be in the shower. Pay attention, Pay attention to, to what yeah. you're doing. Pay attention to the water splashing yes. into your face and your body. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, um, just on that note, so last night I was having a hard time going to sleep and I'm laying there. And then I have one of those Apple watches where you can do the breathing exercise thing where, you know, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. know what the app thing is, but it'll vibrate and then it'll expand like a circle, but you can feel it sort of like going out and your breathing is supposed to match that like, so out and then in. And uh, so I did that for like three minutes and I found myself because I was, my mind was, I had so much on my mind about work and like, as you said, the future, I'm not a, dweller in the past but like i'm a future state guy so anxious about what's happening and i but i found with the breathing exercise i was so focused on my breath and that and then when i my mind drifted a little bit i just brought right back to the breathing and so it was like to your point with anything like taking a shower or making a cup of tea if you bring it back to like what you're doing in the moment it's really powerful but you have to be cognizant of like that moment. It's just hard. But if you could bring it back to center, then I think you could stay present. Absolutely. Any experiences with that? That's exactly right. And that's the one thing if you take, you know, a minute or two throughout the day and you do that, you're actually strengthening your capability to stay more present. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're cha- changing that neural network in your in your brain. That ability. It's like a skill set like anything else. Yeah. And I think that's why if you practice it even like every day for a couple minutes, like that, that's practice. Yes. Right. It's, yes. It will. It will strengthen that skill. I love that. Um, so you mentioned like chunking time for time management purposes, and I'm curious if you ever build flexibility in your schedule for dealing with life as it happens. I mean, we're working at home. Things are likely to come up. I've got kids at home, so things inevitably come up. Where flexibility is really nice to have, like not having meetings back to back to back. So if I need to make lunch for my kids and give my wife a break, I can do that. What's your What's your thought on just building flexibility throughout the schedule to make sure that working is a little less stressful? Well, I think it's a great question, and I do reference that in my book too about having a flexible mind. 
And that ties in nicely to what we're talking about with setting goals, having an agenda for your day, practicing mindfulness is if I have an agenda and my child needs something and I'm holding on to that agenda really hard, I'm not being flexible and I'm not being fully present because I'm wishing my circumstances were something different than my actual present state. So it's vital that you have an agenda, but it has to be held loosely to accommodate things that are unexpected. We don't want to hold on to an agenda in a rigid manner. <laughs> Till that's my son. <laughs> he's so my my son is eight years old, and he's one of those kids. Like you tell him, okay, we're going to do this at ten a.m. Like he, if it's like five minutes off, he'll he'll like say it. Like, hey, you know, you said this is at ten. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I've, cause I used to be like that. I was very rigid. And then over the years, I'm like, okay, people are not going to want to work with me if I'm like so, <laughs> so rigid <laughs> like that on the schedule. So I love that flexible in the mind, flexible in, in the schedule. And I think we'll probably be a little less anxious and right. stressed out. Less stressed. Yeah. <laughs> what about like flexibility as far as, you know, I'm just sort of, fatigued right now, I want to go exercise or I'm, I'm going to go for a walk or just getting away. Cause like zoom fatigue is a real thing for a lot of people. Like you're staring at a screen or you're sitting all day. Like, do you build in true physical flexibility into your day too? Yeah. I think that's really wise because if you are fatigued or wearing yourself out, you're not productive. You're just not as productive. So if you take a little bit of time and give yourself a break. Maybe you go sit on the couch and close your eyes. Maybe you go practice some breathing. Maybe you go get take the dog outside, whatever it might be, or you go play a quick game of Yahtzee with your kid, you know, whatever it might be. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. you re-energize, <laughs> and then you can actually accomplish more in less time. So it's not really the time that we're spending, it's the quality and how we're using it. Yeah. Okay. Big question here, because uh, I, I like to ask people this because there's a lot of parents listening to this podcast. This is hard, honestly. You work If you're working at home and you have kids at home and you're trying to figure out a way to do school virtually, what tips do you have there? Especially in a way that's not disruptive to, to the work that you're trying to do. And to, at the end of the day, we don't want to get stressed out and we don't want to fully blend work and life. We want to be there 100% in, in both areas. But what tips do you have to make sure that you know, we could be there for our kids when we need them? but it's also not going to disrupt our work. Yeah, I think the first is to change our expectations. We're not able to be 100% in both areas at the very same time. At the same time, I know we have to be. I mean, I I homeschool my child, and I've been doing it since he's 11 now. So I know all about trying to manage both. And you, you have to get creative. You have to look at the personality of the child and see how can you communicate to your children what you need and what you expect of them that's realistic and age-appropriate. You know, um, for my kid, he's been hearing a lot about, okay, we must be flexible, and this is going to be your agenda while I'm doing this because I cannot be interrupted. But he knows when he can interrupt me when I'm not doing anything that's so significant I can't be interrupted. You know, maybe I'm doing paperwork or something. He can come in. So he has very clear idea of the boundaries, when he can approach me and come into my office and when he cannot. And I also make sure he's very clear on what he needs to be doing during that time frame. It could be I put him on a subject where he can be more self-sufficient. He's not going to need my help. 
so he can direct and guide himself. So it could be looking at that and saying, what can I do to schedule that time where, you know, my child can learn on his or her own while I'm doing the heavy stuff at work, for example. So last question I have for you, and we can can wrap up, um, is just about connection in general. So for me, I consider myself more of an introvert. I, I don't think I show up that way to people, but like I need I need to recharge in an isolated manner. I need quiet space. I need to be able to get lost in my thoughts, all that. However, in not being able to connect with people except for through a screen, I find myself having a hard time. And I know those who are extroverts are having a really, really hard time right now. They're probably bouncing off the walls. Looking at people through Zoom or any other video chat is not the same as actually connecting with somebody in person. There's like body language, there's energy that you get from somebody. It's just, it, it can feel isolated and make people lonely. What tips do you have for people when, when you're working from home and you wish there was more connection with people? Well, I like that you're talking about the difference between introverts and extroverts because this year I think has been tough on both. We're feeling that disconnect from people because we don't have that social contact that both introverts and extroverts need, just maybe in different amounts. You know, for introverts, I think, you know, finding time sometime in your day according to your own schedule of being able to decompress and really process what's going on in your life. Just kind of doing some activity that you find meaningful, whether it be artistic or a hobby, some people are exercising, those kinds of things. Getting in nature actually is really helpful for everyone, just to get outside, going into your yard or for a walk in the park, whatever situation allows, you know, wherever you're at. Um, And extroverts, too, need to do what they can to monitor their own needs. Yeah. You know, and to really know for themselves, how much time do I need to spend, you know, being in front of the computer on Zoom, you know, because it's not a perfect situation and there's no way to really make it perfect. We have to just make some adjustments and live a little bit longer like this. But I think the most important thing is that we know what we need and we give ourselves permission to do that. I lied. I have one more question. (laughs) Okay. I was thinking about it because we were talking about gratitude earlier and documenting it. But in in asking you the question about connecting with other people, I'm curious if you ever make time to show gratitude to another person or appreciation and or recognition in a way to connect with other people. I think that's a great way. You know, we we can start in our home. You know, we're talking about boundaries and managing family and and work at the same time and it's a great place to start really showing your family, thank you so much for mm. allowing me to, to work. Thank you so much for allowing me to have this quiet space. Thank you for not bothering me while I'm on a, a conference call. You know, I really appreciate what you did. We can start in our home and you can really observe how that affects your loved ones. Oof, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. And, you know, when we show gratitude, it helps us feel more connected to people. So yeah, even like colleagues and stuff, we've we've done that just in, in my personal circle, really sh- are showing appreciation for one another. Cindy, I really appreciate you coming on the Transform Your Workplace podcast. Your your book is Rockin' Life from Home, Successful Strategies to Balance Family Life and Working from Home. Just appreciate you and the whole conversation. This is really important stuff. Uh, a lot of people are struggling right now. Um, I struggle at, at times and I like to talk about it. 
Um, and that's why, you know, I wanted you on and I have other people on that, you know, share similar ideas as you, but it, it you know, can add stuff in a lot of different ways. And this is just an important, I just want to keep talking about it because people need help and employees need help. So just thank you. Where can people find your book or more about you or anything that you're up to? Um, well, the book is on Amazon and you can also go to my website, which is Cindy Baker lifedesign.com to find out some more information. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me. Awesome. And I just wanted to mention that you, uh, you have a great blog too. Lots of great topics on there that are really helpful. So um, good tips if people want to uh, dive deep in, and learn more about what Cindy's up to. Thank you. So Cindy, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs>